So today, we have one of our own. He's a phenomenal speaker, a great friend of myself. Can we give him a round of applause? Welcome to the stage, Mr. Randy. Yesterday was Ray Rod's birthday, 80 years old, and you know that uh, the doctors have given him a different uh, thing as far as, uh, you know, that uh, they've given him that he's got one to two months to live, but he's not stopping one bit, so we had a birthday party yesterday, and uh, Pete and I did our thing to try to embarrass him and roast him a little bit, and then his first girlfriend in, from 1952, Bernice Crumpacker, showed up. <laughs> And so there's, there's Bernice. <laughs> Bernie. All right, you can take that down, please. <laughs> so good to be with you this morning. Before we get going, I got one thing. How many like the halftime, what I call halftime, having some refreshments and having some donuts and cookies and fellowship and that kind of thing going on? Yeah, yeah I do. Especially the chocolate donuts. Carson and Donna, would you please stand up for a second? They've been doing this nonstop. Amen. They've been serving, doing this for about three years, almost three and a half years. And uh, only like two Sundays out of that whole time. Well, right now, uh, they're having some health issues, Donna is, and we need help during the summertime. So we already have one person that says, I'll take a Sunday in July and a Sunday in August. I need three more, either families or individuals, that say, yeah, I'll do that and help out the howlers so they can take a break and concentrate on their health things. So, see me, see Kathy, just one Sunday in July, one Sunday in August. Either that, or you're going to go without cookies and donuts for a month. <laughs> and I know you guys like to eat, so. Good morning. What a privilege it is to be up here. I don't do this very often, so don't expect much. But Jesus has been talking to me for quite a while, actually for the last couple of months, about leaving a legacy and leaving a heritage. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we create a hunger? How do we create a hunger for first generation faith in the ones that are coming behind us? We have had the faith. We've had the belief of who Jesus is in us and how strong he is and how, what we do. But how do we make sure that the grandkids and the next generation, the great-grandkids, have that same conviction, have that same faith that it doesn't water down like it does many times? I've done a lot, my share of uh, memorial services and also done my share of weddings. And <laughs> I look around the room, I've been honored to be part of both of that in many of your lives either in your weddings or your memorial services. And uh, Rochelle's here this morning, and Scott with Early and Bill Nod that have gone before, and then Gary and, and Chris are in the back, and Casey and Shelly, they've gotten married here just recently. And uh, just to be a part of your lives and that kind of thing. So many times when I do a memorial service, sometimes I get a call from an outside funeral home, and I go to meet with the family, and they'll, I'll say, and the family's all there, and they're kind of glum, and, 
That's kind of normal, but they're kind of glum and they're sad. And uh, I said, tell me something about the person so I have something to talk about at the service. And they look at each other and they go, and there's just this heaviness in the room. And they go, well, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. Well, he loved baseball. He loved the Mariners. Uh, and he, he loved to go bowling. When I go to a house that's full of believers, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's joy going on. There's crying. People are hanging on to each other. They're holding each other up. They're loving each other. Music's playing. There's food everywhere. I said, tell me about so-and-so. Tell me about grandpa. Tell me about grandma. Tell me about your son. And then it starts. He was there. He was there every single time. When I'd go over to the house early in the morning, he was praying. She was praying. Reading the Word. Every time there was a, a high school graduation or a wedding or something, they were always there. They would call me in the middle of the night and tell me that they're praying for me. They'd pick up the phone and pray. They were there all the time. And the stories start to come. When the, the baby was born, when the high school graduation, when the wedding, this, that. That person was always there. And it's such a joy when you know that there's a strong faith in Jesus. That there's a foundation that can't be shattered, that can't be rocked. So what we're talking about today is passing your faith along. Passing your faith along. What are we doing to make sure that the next generation is just as strong in their faith as you are in your faith? So many times in business, you'll see a shop open. Someone will have a restaurant or you know, a cookie business or a store or whatever. And the first person that comes along has a dream and has a passion that this, this is what I'm going to do. And they work 14, 16 hours a day making sure that this thing happens. And they're, they're staying awake at night and working late and doing all the things they need to do. And it starts to grow and starts to start to prosper. Then the next generation, they get a little bit older and they have to give it over to the next generation. And the next generation takes it, but it's not quite the same thing. They just inherited it. And they, they, they appreciate it, but they're just trying to protect what they got. They don't want it to, they don't want it to go away, but they don't have the same desire, the same conviction, the same passion that the first one there goes the third generation, and they go into prevention mode. Okay, let's cut back on the service. Let's cut back on the marketing. Let's cut back. Let's cut back. Let's cut back. Cut back. Cut back. Cut back. All watered down. And then you see going out of business sale. I don't know about you, but I don't want my kids or my grandkids or the ones that are beyond them to have a going out of sale, going out of faith sale on their lives. Amen? Okay. Take a look together at Psalm 112, verses 1 through 6. And this is good. This is good. How joyful, everyone say, how joyful, how joyful. are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. They're generous, they're compassionate, and they're righteous. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Are you going to be long remembered when you're gone? Some of you young ones don't think about being gone yet. 
And some of us older ones don't think about being gone. But when you're gone, are you going to be like a rock going into a pond that's been drained and a rock that goes into the mud? That's your life. Nobody remembers it. And a week later, well, so-and-so's gone. Or are you going to be like a rock, a boulder, rolled out in the middle of Lake Chelan and dropped over the edge? And watch the ripple effect of your life affect so many people, hundreds and hundreds of people. And it goes out, and it hits the shore, and it comes back in. That's what God wants us to have, is that ripple effect in our lives. Something when you're gone, regardless of your age, that people say, they were a person, they were a man and a woman of God. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They walked steadfastly with the Lord. God had their hand, closer than a brother. He never left them. He never forsake them. They went through unbelievable mountaintops. They went through unbelievable valleys. But God was with them the whole time. Did they get it right all the time? I don't know about you, but I don't get it right even half the time. But I was faithful. I've tried to be faithful. And God's always been faithful to me. He never backed up. Backed up. Let's start with a little word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, let these words be your words. Uh, let it sink deep into our hearts. And uh, not only this into our hearts, but may it be a life changer. May it be a life changer. So thank you. And uh, we love you. And we're glad to be one of your kids. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Heritage, legacy. So important. I got a video... Not yet, but I got a video I want you to look at. Just like high school literature class. What's the theme? Who are the main characters? And what is the interaction between the people? So take a look at this commercial, and it has no words. But let it speak to your heart in a spiritual way. What did you see? Who were the main characters? Anybody? Who were the main characters? Two soldiers. Who else was in the... Mom. Who else was in there? Family. How many generations? Grandkids. Yeah. Looked like three or four generations. What was the... What was the... What was the grandpa showing to the young man? Yeah. <laughs> what was the young man showing to a grandpa? And then what happened at the very end? 
Family gathering around. Family coming together. Family being united. American flag. God, country, and American pie, and American hot dogs, and all that stuff. And not a one word in that commercial. Yay! Wow. Isn't that good? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. A commercial with no words. So it doesn't make you tear up again. We're going to watch it one more time. Let's take a look again at uh, Psalms 112. There you go. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. That's kind of a contradiction of terms. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. How can we be joyful and fear the Lord at the same time? But fear, fear is, means having a reverence for God, an out, all-out reverence for God. Fear is respecting Him, obeying Him, submitting to His leadership and His guidance, and worshiping Him in awe. That's what fear is. So back to the verse, it says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Verse 2, help me read this out loud with full voice. Their children will be successful everywhere. Say that again. Their children... An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. That's what we get to do. They themselves will be wealthy. Their goods will be... They'll last how long? Thank you. How are you going to live? How are you living right now? Live in such a way that will be outlasters. That we won't be the rock in the mud, but we'll be the boulder in the middle of the lake. And are we passing our faith along? It's such a joy, it says. It's a joy. Leaving a heritage and leaving a legacy. Verse 4, what does it say? They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. And then it goes on to say, those who are righteous will be what? Those who are righteous will be what? They'll leave a legacy and a heritage. I want to go back to verse 2 all by itself. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. It starts with us. We pass along. We have the fire of faith in us to pass it along. We don't take Jesus haphazardly. He's a vital part of our lives. 
as a parent and a grandfather, I want my kids to be successful. I want every young person from the youngest person in our nursery to the 30, 35-year-old, you're still a kid, I want you to be successful. I want Christ to be in the middle of your lives. What does the world tell us about what success is? What does it take to be successful in the world? Have money. Have something else. All that stuff. Education. Right? Culture says raising well-rounded, happy, educated kids. Right? If we have a nice job, we have a good education, we'll be happy, happy, happy. Like on Dr. Daddy's thing. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> I'm not sure why I said that, but I did. But that's what, that's what culture, that's what the world says. You know, if you do all this stuff and be exposed to all this stuff and the different thinkings and philosophies and be well-rounded and have no really spiritual foundation, but you're going to be happy. Sometimes the problem with being exposed to everything that the world has to offer will water us down. We'll be confused by things that are happening. You just send a kid off to college. And just see what happens to a nice Christian kid when they go to college. And then they get exposed to all the teaching and things that go on in school and the lifestyle and all the stuff that goes on in college. And then check on them when they're 24. Something got watered down. But the strong ones, hang on. Most successful people are not necessarily well-rounded. They're focused. The people that in the tech industry, Steve Ballmer, Bill Gates... Paul Allen, all those guys are focused like crazy on what they need to do, how to market. Rockefellers, the Carnegies, all the people were focused. Warren Buffett, focused like crazy on financial things and investing. Well-rounded, not so much. Well-rounded, not so much. Now, some of you are doing really well, and you're taking your SATs, and you're taking your ACTs, and you've done real well. How many times do you know somebody that's done really well? They're smart as can be. They get A's in everything. They take all these classes. Yet when it comes to having any kind of common sense, <laughs> you know when somebody is really smart and they go, how do you open a can opener? They have no common sense. Sometimes because they're so smart, there's, uh, sometimes there's not integrity, there's no character, there's no spiritual foundation. But they are smart. They can whip off formulas and scientific things and philosophies and all that. But there's nothing of substance to it. What did God call us to be? What did God call us to be? What does He want us to be? He want disciples. He, what He tell us to go preach, teach, heal, and deliver. Preach the news to all nations. To fear Him. Be joyful in fearing Him. He's called us to be holy. That's an old school term you don't hear very often. He's called us to be holy. Holy. Being in total awe of God in our lives and not being ashamed of it. Happiness and joy when we're a Christ follower is something that just comes to us. It's just kind of a byproduct. We get to be joyful. We get to be contented. I don't know about you, but I want to be a world changer. I want my kids to be a world changer. I want my grandkids to be 
And if you're not my kid, I want you to be a world changer. And whether you're two years old or 102, I want you to be a world changer. God wants you to be a world changer. No holding back. No holding back. So what are we supposed to do as Christ followers? I believe we're supposed to do this. We are called... We are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. That's a mouthful, huh? We are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers with everything that's in us. Jesus is not the Lord in name only. He's first planted within our hearts. Then His Spirit is put within us. And then we start living the daily life and the daily walk with the Lord. The Word says that... um, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. A couple other verses that the Word says. In Psalms 127.3, children are a heritage from God. They're not a heritage from you. God gave you your kids. They are an almighty gift from God that he gave to you. Now you're the custodian to raise them up. Children are, have, God has blessed your children. Do you know that? God has blessed your children. And the children to come. He has blessed your kids. He's put his hand on them. He's blessed them. And then he's given them to you. Isaiah 54.13 says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. Then Proverbs 22.6, you've all heard this. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Train up a child. I've done some things well with mine and not so good many other times. I'm really good with golden retrievers. <laughs> I got a golden retriever named Bella. See, he's the most incredible dog. And I've had dogs and they've all kind of been this, this kind of personality that, that to train them. I don't beat them. I don't yell at them very much. Um, and I train them. And they come, and they've got their smile. We've had nothing but dogs that smile, right? People go, your dog's smiling. I said, of course they do. And so, really, all the dogs we've had have smiled. <laughs> but when I train them, we'd go through the thing, and they'd kind of get it. And I said, okay, let's do it again. A little bit of kibble, and then we go do it again. Good job, good job. So it got to the point that, that the dogs that we have have had... Uh, They've all been trained by hand signals. Not only by vocal command, I've had trained them so that sit, stay, come um, is all by hand signal. And they know them from 100 feet away. So if they're crossing the street and I'm not quite there, I can put my hand up and they'll stay until I get there or until I give them the command sign or to sit. I used to have a dog that we called the Holy Roller Dog, <laughs> Cinnamon, and taught her how to roll over. But since we're Pentecostal, it wasn't roll over, it was go to church. So whenever I said go to church, she... <laughs> people would come over, what are you doing? Go to church, but cinnamon, and over she go. But that's what we do with our kids. That's what we do with our kids. We encourage them, we encourage them. There's nothing that they can do that, well, most of the time. <laughs> But that we encourage them and we train them. You know, Kathy loves snap peas. If 
Those things would go over and take over the world if you let them go. But you made me build this string uh, hemp uh, trestle for these things. And first they grow off and they're going in the garden, they're going everywhere. And you pick them up and you put them on the trestle. You put them on the trestle and they start going up the rope. You know, and then you get one that goes, I'm not going to do that. And you go, yes, you are. And you pick that up. And, and pretty soon you got this giant bush that goes all the way up to the roof line. And you're training them. You're training them. You're taking the time to train them. Say, no, you're going higher than you think you can go. Whew. Anybody having fun yet? All right, okay. Biblically... Unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. The thing that holds our kids together is not having cool youth programs or having this or that. It's having a foundation where they see mom and dad praying, where they see mom and dad reading the Bible, where they see them reach down and helping somebody for no apparent reason, where they see them ministering to people, where they see them going to hospitals and visiting people, where they see them just taking a meal over next door. And the byproducts when we live this Christian life, it's a good life. I've been in restaurants with a bunch of you clowns, excuse me, people. <laughs> One time I was at uh, Sorotini's restaurant. We had a bunch of Christians downstairs. The loudest, craziest people in the world is when you get a bunch of Christians. The laughter, right? The laughter. The people will come down and go, what in the world are you people drinking? Water? <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> really? You're nuts and you're making that much noise? How can that happen? Because we love the Lord. <laughs> we're, we're having a good time with each other. It's called old-fashioned word. It's called fellowship. We don't care. <laughs> I was at one restaurant. They tried to calm us down. I said, could you guys quiet it down? Because the people upstairs are wondering what's going on downstairs. And the joy of the Lord was just going crazy. A bunch of Christians drinking water. Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. Some of you are going, well, okay, that's fine, Pastor Randy. But all I want to do is pay the bills. All I want to do is get out of this parking lot, and it's going to be 90 degrees again. I just want to get out. How am I supposed to do all that? You know how to do it. It's kind of funny, though, the difference between those of us who've been around for a while and have kids and grandkids and all that versus those who do not have kids is they, the, the ones that don't have kids go, yeah, that's right, Pastor. Yeah, I get that. Well done, the world changes. I'm all in favor for that. And the parents are going, if you've got older kids, you're going, shoot, I missed that. I blew that all up. And if you've got young kids, you go, I don't have time for that. But the young people, they go, well, that's good. I love that. That's good. Yeah, let's do that. Young people have a, a, a way that if they want to go do something, they go do it. You know, they say, you want to go to a restaurant? Sure. You want to go here? Fine. You want to go on Facebook? I watch the young people from our church. I stalk you. <laughs> Just make sure you're living a godly life. And I call a couple of you and say, what are you doing? But they're out at the beach. They're climbing. They're going in the woods. They're ziplining. They're kayaking. They're doing all this stuff. And they just go. <sighs> Christ-centered, biblically-answered world changers. For us parents, for us to do something, it takes a little while. But for the young people, you're going to be like us someday. 
And you're going to say, no, never. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be that. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have kids. And I'm, going to, and, I'm, and I'm going to sit in the back row with my babies. <laughs> never, never, never. It changes, doesn't it, Vanessa? <laughs> you know, she was sitting closer, closer a couple of years ago, her and Clint. And then these two boys showed up, and now they sit closer to the back. But the boys are in church, and they love Jesus and, and speaking life into those boys. So for you young people who say, I'll never do that. I'll never be that old. I'm never going to die. Da, 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 da. Okay, this commercial is for you. I am never getting married. Never. I'm going to 1015. You picked a beautiful ring. Thank you. We're never having kids. <laughs> Over here. We're never moving to the suburbs. We are never getting one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pregnant. I'm never letting go. For all the nevers in life. <laughs> yeah, I'm never letting go. Anybody been there? <laughs> yeah, we all have. <laughs> yeah, when you have kids, you just go. When, when you, I mean, when you don't have kids, you just go. When you don't have kids. We had four kids, and we've always had very large vans. And whenever we'd go, there'd be the four, but there'd be like two or three extras all the time. And so when we tried to go somewhere, it was a major, major production. We wanted to do something on Thursday. We'd start on Tuesday. And then once we started going, you're all nodding your head. You know this story. So you start looking for the kids, and where are the kids? Okay, where's your pants? Where's your pants? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't get fast enough because I knew you were going to say that. Where are your shoes? Where are your shoes? Where, get in the car. And I have a bad whistle, a whistler. I don't, is, some, don't, some of you guys have a strong whistle. Who's got a, wow, see, any of you women got one of those? Oh, I used to. Yeah, I don't have a whistler, so I'd, I'd be, I've got a strong voice, and start yelling, and, hey, get in the car, get in the car, and then you're missing one, and you go, where'd that one go? And, and you finally get them in. <laughs> oh, my. And so you look for them, and I didn't have a whistler. Some of the men have nice whistles. My mom, when I was growing up, she had a whistler, and I don't, she'd take all four fingers, and she'd shove it in her mouth. And back in the day, we'd go to some friend's house, we'd be three, four blocks away. In the summertime, it'd be 9, 30, 10 o'clock. It's dark. And out of the darkness, and that was a sign, you better get your on your bike and get home or there's going to be a price to pay. But really, three, four blocks away, I'd hear mom whistling. We knew. There's a neighbor guy that whistles. I come running just to see what he wants. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about? Unleashing, uh, I can't remember all this stuff. Thank you. Oh, good, it's on the wall? Oh, good. I want to make this simple. I want to make this simple. Whether you're young or old, how do we get the next generation to have this, the fire and the faith that you have and pass it on? Passing it on. What a privilege, what an honor. What an honor to do that. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. 
We have lots, lots of options with our kids, but we need to manage their exposures. First one, just need to manage them. What we expose them to determines who they become. And the verse below says, either walk with the wise and become wise, or for a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of people do you know, how many maybe of your own kids that have walked away from the Lord because they got involved with a bad crowd? How many pastor's kids, not to blame pastors, they were raised in a church home, but yet they got kids that are living for the devil? Or people in your own family? But on the same side, you got ones that are just living for God and on fire for God and living for God and getting people saved. <laughs> we need to expose our kids to every opportunity we can to show them that Jesus is alive and real, that there's victory in Jesus. We expose them to who they become. Walk with the wise. Here's what we need to acknowledge. They're naturally going to be exposed to a lot of bad things. They just go to school. They go to social network. They have things in their life. They have things in their life we never even thought about until we were 21, 22, 25, whatever. Sexual. Uh, exposure. Thank you. Had a minor stroke. <laughs> but all the things that we, we, the kids are exposed to. I've just read something yesterday that the average age that a teenager loses their virginity used to be 19, 20, 21, something like that. It's now 14, 13, 14 years old. The pressures when the kids go to school and their behaviors and what they're put through is unbelievable. We have no idea. But as Christian parents, we can't force them to love Jesus. We can't say, you've got to go to church. Because if you force them, what happens? The wall goes up. But if you show them and you expose them, then they go, oh, okay, I kind of get this. You know? Number one, I want to give you three quick things. One, expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Back in the first verse of uh, Psalms 112, don't go there, it just says, uh, those who are joyful who have the fear of the Lord. Do you, are you joyful about God? I realize not every day is going to be easy, but do you have the joy in you? Do you delight in the way that you're one of God's kids? To have the knowledge and the joy of knowing God personally. John 17:3 says, and this is eternal life, Jesus talking. He says, to, my, to know my Father who sent me, this is eternal life. To know God is to know me. That's it. No God. No God. Sometimes, as parents, we don't know any better, because no one gave us a manual. We do it by rules. Rules, rules, rules. You'll do this, you do that, do that. I was raised in one of those homes. I was raised in the home that uh, you didn't dance. You didn't go to movies. You didn't play cards. If you played cards, you only would play pit or uno, but you never played with game cards. Sixth grade dance, or sixth grade, they would teach us square dancing. My mom would write a note, please excuse Randy, because it kind of goes in conflict with our religious beliefs. And I would sit, and I would, I'd be the DJ. I'd turn the records while my friends danced. And there's like three of us back in the day. There's three of us that would be sitting off to the side as our friends were learning to square dance. Rules. What does rules do? They just puts up a wall, puts up resentment. People are not afraid of Jesus but they're afraid of the hypocrisy 
and the legalism that they see. But we've got to expose them to the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. One thing that we learned the hard way, but we learned it, is whenever things happen, to let them know about how good, how good God is. Sometimes we had some Christmases that it was all but garage sale items that we gave each other. Sometimes presents would show up at the door. But isn't it good? Look how good God is. God got us Christmas presents. Sometimes when we didn't have any food, and we, were, we didn't have a nickel between the two of us, and groceries would show up at the front door. Financial times. When people put checks in my pocket, says, I just want to bless you. And a couple times they were huge checks. They said, I just want to bless you. And I tell my kids, look what God did. Look what God is doing. God has blessed us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He's still with us. Look how good God is. Look, you you scored a point in that basketball game. Good job. Don't overdo the good job on one point. But, you know, all the things, all the things that, isn't God good? He, we, prayed for, we prayed for that neighbor lady and she got better. Praise God, isn't God good? Isn't God good? You've got to have, this is tough in today's world, when we have electronic teenagers, but you don't have a relationship without conversation. But when our kids know about the Word of God, when they know that mom and dad... It's not a book that just sits somewhere, but it's a book that we, we get into and the power of prayer. In my house, we don't have organized Holy Ghost prayer meetings very often. Once in a while we do, but that doesn't happen. But what we do have is we have ongoing prayer. You know, we just heard that so-and-so is sick. We just heard that somebody needs, needs a, a car. We just heard, and let's pray about that. Someone falls down and cuts their knee, but let's pray about that. Let's pray about that. And prayer is going on all the time. Let's join hands as a family. Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment and thank God for how good He is. How good He is. And the kids get to see that. And the grandkids get to see that. One of the greatest joys, real quick, it was leading two of my granddaughters to the Lord over the telephone. One had accepted the Lord at this preschool. But she wanted, she wasn't sure. So we, we got her on the phone. We started talking to her. <clears throat> and I said, do you want to make sure? And she said, yeah. So I said, okay. I just want to say a quick prayer. You repeat after me, but mean it from the bottom of your heart. And she did. <laughs> and she said, Jesus is in my heart. She's running around now. Jesus is live in my heart. She's only like six or seven years old. The other one is only five. All of a sudden she goes, I want Jesus in my heart too, Grandpa, Grandma. And so, okay, get on the phone. So we prayed with the other one. And they're running around the house thanking the Lord for being in their life. (laughs) I see. To be real, to be genuine, to be available. To show the presence of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Let the joy of the Lord of a living God come out of your lives. And when your kids look at you and sometimes you're down and depressed, 
And they say, you know, my parents aren't perfect, and they never were, and they're kind of jerks, and maybe when I'm 23, they'll get smart again. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> but they'll go, yeah, you know, mom and dad, they weren't perfect. But they talked to God. They experienced God. They let God correct them. God convicted them. We saw God provide for them. We saw God comfort them. We saw God guide them. We saw God empower them. We saw God lead them. And that young person that's in your house will say, I want that. I want that. <sighs> Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you've already blown it. Maybe your kids are grown and they're living off there in the world somewhere. It's never too late. It's never too late to start making God real, having the joy of the Lord in your life, and expose them to knowing God personally, which was our first point. Second point is we're going to expose them to the presence and the power of God in the church. Not this building, the church. We never had um, the ability, even when I was growing up, the ability not to go to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and youth group on Sunday night. Uh, that there was no option. There was no option. You had to go. Not because of rule, because he wanted to be there. It took a while, but it finally realized, even as a young man, that I'm the church. You are the church. The church is not this brick and mortar thing. We're the church. We're the ones. We get together. We have fellowship, just like that commercial, you know, that the, the, the honor and the respect and being together and having fellowship and being together and generation after generation is together. That's what the church is. The power and presence of God in the church. We are the church. It's part of your DNA. You don't have an option. It's not an option for you to stay out of church because it's your birthday. You don't have an option because... You, now, once in a while, that may happen. But so many people celebrate their birthday like it's a national holiday. <laughs> Looking around to see who that is. It's my birthday and I'm not going to go to church. The weather, it rains, it snows, it da, 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 da. make all these excuses not to go to church. Get up, get your up and get into church. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you, trump, if you trump going to church for something else, you will never, ever trump anything else for the worship of God. But when we come together and we're united and we pray and we see miracles and we see people getting saved and we see people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and we see people coming together and seeing marriages restored and health, healings and all the things that goes on in the church, <laughs> love it. But if you say it's not a priority for me or I'm not going to do it, I don't feel like it, it's kind of weird. Up here, when the sun comes out, people stay away, but you guys are smart. And when it rains... People come. Down in the south, it's the other way. When it rains, people go away. And when it's sunny, they come to church. So I don't know. It's just a culture thing. Number three. Moving along. Since I'm running out of time again. Let me just back up. All of you that have inputted, even into kids that you don't know, from the nursery, uh, to our children's ministry, which is now called Impact, to Origins, to Salt, to Converge, all that. 
You have no idea, if you've helped out in that, what a difference, what a huge difference you've made in people's lives. You've put eternal values into somebody and exposed them to the power of Jesus Christ in their lives. Here's a cool thing. Ministry. When you're involved in ministry, it's never about what you do. You don't get to own what you do. Well, I'm the so-and-so and I'm doing it. No. Ministry is not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's about who you are. It's about who you are and who's in you and who's coming out to make a difference in the world and then passing it on to the next generation. And number three, we expose them to the thrill of being used by God. In the verse there is out of Joshua, and it says, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. But for as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We have reading buddies. Debbie Kuykendall takes a bunch of little kids and takes them to the, to the retirement home and has the little kids read to the retired folks at the retirement home. And it's such a blessing, Debbie, as you share this story, how the kids, they're anxious to go there, and the people that receive these little guys. And one little guy, the story about Levi and how he was afraid to do that, and he couldn't read, but he wanted to go be with these people, and he wanted to have the experience of putting input into these people's lives. And it came to the thing that he didn't know how to read, well, that the woman he was talking to was a retired school teacher. So she started teaching him how to read, if I got the story right. And then he finally started to read, and then he was reading to the lady. And he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to express his love for these people at the nursing home. When you see our kids doing something, you see them praying for somebody, they're opening the door or something, you know, say, God is using you. That was great. I love the way you did that. That will just speak volumes into the people's lives. Ah. It's going to take every single one of us to make a difference, to step up, to have that joy of the Lord, to be involved with the church. But here's the thing. All of you that are over 30 years old, the next generation isn't the, the next generation of the church. We've had our day. We've had our day. We've been doing church for who knows how long. We are not the church. Well, we are the church. But the young people aren't the church of the future. They're the future right now. They're the future right now. They're the future right now. And everything we can do to pass that along, to pass our faith along, is going to be instrumental in making the world a different place. If you're a Christian and you put on Facebook you're a Christian, you're going to get blasted. If you stand up and do anything in public as a politician and you even indicate that you're a Christian or you believe in God, you're blasted, you're labeled as a bigot, a hatred, a little, 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 all the list, right? Misinformed, stupid, all the name calling because we believe in Jesus. I don't care. I don't care. But the church is today. The church, our people, our young people, the next generation is the church of today. We had our chance where we can do everything we can to make sure they get there. And then help them believe that they'll even do more for the glory of God than we have ever done. Wouldn't that be something? There may be evangelists in this church. 
There may be future leaders, world changers in this church. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Expose them to the presence and power of God in His church. Expose them to the thrill of being used by God. And that big long thing, to expose them, we are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. I have been dealing with legacy and heritage. And then I'll be honest with you, I've been kind of going through a period like, Lord, what do you want from me? Of the days and the years that I have left, whether they're one or another 25, what, what do you want? What do you want from me? And some of it's been a struggle. Some of it's been a struggle. And through my struggle, I met a man named Jim Clement. Jim's been coming to this church every, every spring from Arizona with his beautiful wife, Marion, for the last, for, probably for a long time, but for, at least for me for the last five years. They'd come up all nice and tan, and, they'd, and I'd see them, and hi, how are you? God bless you. How are you? You know how we do on Sunday mornings? Oh, good to see you. Good to see you. But never really got the chance. And then all of a sudden, Jim and Marion came up, and Terry and Rich brought them up from Arizona, and Jim had been sick. And then finally the doctor said, there's nothing more that we can do for you because of the, the disease that's in your body. Hmm. And I got to meet this man, Jim Clement. He didn't come to know the Lord until he's 57 years old. He had four kids. He had Terry and three boys, Michael, David, and Stephen. But he raised them in a, in a, a Catholic home, from what I understand, the beginning but it wasn't until Marion almost died and the doctor miraculously, a doctor did his surgery on her and God miraculously intervened and healed Marion. Jim went, wandered around, found a church, went inside to the church, happened to be a four-square church. He sat in the back row, was all by himself and didn't want anybody to see him. And suddenly somebody sits on this side, a woman sits on this side, and a man sits on this side. They said, what are you doing? He says, well, you look like you're new, and we don't want anybody to be by themselves when they come into this church. And so he preached, the pastor preached the word. Jim accepted the Lord. I'm not sure what the time was, but I'm not sure it was that night or shortly thereafter, but he accepted the Lord, and there was no turning back. No turning back. Full speed ahead. Full speed ahead. So I had the chance the last two months of Jim's life to be a part of the family to be with Marion and Terry and Rich and the rest of the family and many times at the hospital and many times at the house with hospice. And I got to see this crazy family, four generations of people that generally loved each other and loved the Lord and they thought the world of Jim and Marion. And so... I started thinking about the word legacy and heritage. And what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing that the, 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 the Jesus that he found out when he was 57 years old, the Jesus that he knew, he wasn't letting go, and he was going to make sure that each one of his adult children 
and the 12 grandchildren and the seven grandchildren and the two great grandchildren yet to come. We're going to have a full knowledge of Jesus Christ. At the funeral, there was 12 grandchildren. There's about half of those grandchildren came forward and they talked about the input of their grandfather into their lives and how important they were. And they were the people they were today because of the, he was always there. He always prayed for them. He always would call them up. He would email. He was very techy. He would Facebook them. He would do all this stuff. I remember Marion, the, the oldest grandchild that stood up at the service. And this is my own take. He, he, he's known the Lord, but he's kind of walked away and, and he's kind of been in the world. But he stood up and he started to remember what Grandpa had been there. Grandpa had been there all along. Grandpa would call him and pray. And this young man started to break, remembering the foundation that was in him because of Grandpa Jim. And it was so awesome to see that. To see that. What about you? What about you? What about you? Got a couple pictures. I just want to show you my buddy. And this is awesome. Hmm. Now go back to the first one. I think this is just a day or so before Jim passed away. And this is his grandson, George. And, and Jim had been pretty much comatose the whole time. But he comes to, as I understand the story, he comes to, and George is in the room. And for ten minutes... He prayed over his grandson, George. He blessed his grandson, George. He reminded him of what a great young man he was and what he's going to be in Christ. And they had their time of about ten minutes. Then after that, Jim went back to, back to sleep. Here's a bunch of granddaughters. The third generation and the fourth generation. And look at the smile on Jim's face. But look at the smile on their face. Jesus is alive all over that picture. And this is my favorite one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just leave that up. So what about you? What about you? Passing it on to the next generation. Being strategic in the way you're going to pass it on to the generation. Not just hoping, but being strategic. Being that kind of person that's there, that's praying, that's there, that's, that's there every time. Being excited about being in the house of God. Being the church. The part of the church. And then encourage them to experience the joy and the thrill of doing ministry. Don't go out the door and say, well, that was good, and now it's hot, and I'm going to go to the picnic. Boy, let that sink into your heart. Let it sink into your heart. <laughs> Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Bless you, Marion. Almost 60 years with Jim. Raising this family. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for being in your presence. Lord, thank you that you give us the opportunity to have the joy of the Lord and the fear of you, which means awesome respect, 
awesome worship and delight in your commandments. Lord, we, we're thankful for the children, whether they're ours or somebody else's, that are in this church, that we get the opportunity to expose them to the joy of knowing you, God, personally, to expose them to the, the presence and the power of God in their lives and expose them to the thrill of being used by God. Lord, let us be people that pass the faith along, that there is a fire in our faith, that we're not going to be just come easy doing the same thing over and over again. But whatever amount of time we have left, whether it's, like I say, one day or 25 years or 45 years, wherever your age is in the scheme of things, that you love God, that you serve God, and you take as many people with you. So, Lord, we just thank you. You are so awesome. We're so awesome. If you're here this morning, you go, man, I am just gone stale. I don't even know about legacy, know about heritage, but I just want you to pray for me. I want you to say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not there. I just need a boost. Would you pray for me? If that's you this morning, just lift your hand saying that's me. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody here that doesn't, we've been talking about Jesus and living this kind of life, but you don't know Him as your personal Savior, you don't have that relationship, you don't, but you want Jesus to be in your life. You don't want to be doing the same thing three years from now, five years from now. The idea of leaving a legacy and a heritage based on godly principles is important to you, and you don't have that, and you want that. If that's your, you this morning saying, no, I need that Jesus in my life, Right now, please raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are so awesome in this place. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for hearing our hearts. Thanks for, for the tears and the laughter. But Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives. And let us be always mindful of having biblically anchored world changers in our children and our grandchildren and passing our faith along to the next generation. In Jesus' precious name, Jesus' precious name, Jesus' precious name,